Hello and welcome to Dial F for Flanger, the, uh, it's a, a chat show, I can do whatever I want. And this time what I want is to talk about something to do with uh, J.L. May. J.L. May is back, it's May, and we're talking about the Justice League, sort of. Sort of. Anyway, um, I have a, a comic and we're going to discuss it. It has two people on the front, one is Greenland and the other is Supergirl. And if you talk about most things Supergirl, you, you're a fool if you don't try and get this fellow. And I've got Dr. Ange here to talk about Supergirl. Now if you don't know who Dr. Ange is, he is the... I'm going to say award-winning, even if it's true or not. You're the award-winning blogger about Supergirl. You were voted the most popular blog in the universe about Supergirl at one point, or something like that. I don't know. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about this issue. You know, I've been doing my site for a long time, and somehow... I've never covered this issue on the site, so this will be the first time that I'm talking about it at length. What? I don't believe it. I know. It's so crazy. I've covered the other issue that she's in in this title, but not this one. Yeah. So if you are following uh, this JL May event, you probably would have listened already to The Overlook Dark Knight with Andy and Michael, and they would have done a really organized, you know, um, well-structured cover everything, talk about the history of the comic and everything uh we're just going to talk about issue two um is this like the secret george perez project that no one really talks about uh, what, what's your feeling Ange? you know it's crazy because uh i do think that nobody talks about it and he really covers lots of areas of the dc universe so you'd think that it would have more renown. i mean there's a lot of guest stars in this and he brings the same energy that he brings to other big projects to this. If you're talking about great page layouts and it set panels and crazy details, like it's amazing work. And you find these issues in the dollar box, like what? everywhere. Like I don't understand at all. It, it was like, it just wasn't cool when it happened. Um, I don't know. Cause I mean, to me, it's knocking it out of the park. It, it's a, you know, a number one comic across the board. If you've got Mark Wade writing and George Perez, uh, doing the pencils, uh, and the cover and everything. And you're, you know, you're ho- showcasing the DC universe. Uh, even though it's brave in the bold, I'm going to use the word showcase if that's all right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, so um, I'll just give the the details of when this came out. So uh, cast your mind back to 2007. This uh, was on sale March 21st, 2007. Uh, so not that long ago, really. I mean, what, what's is that? Um, that's 16 years ago. 16 years ago. Just passed. Um, Brave in the Bold number two. Uh, it was at 2.99, which that's a that's a hefty price. I and mean, I think prices had gone up quite well by then. I mean. That was before they were holding the line at 2.99, but uh, yeah, nothing to be sniffed at. Um, the title of this story is Ventura. Uh, it features Green Lantern and Supergirl, uh, as evidenced by the cover, which we will discuss in a minute. Uh, written by Mark Wade, penciled by George Perez, inked by Bob Wycheck, and I hope I got that right. It could be Wycheck. I don't know. Uh, lettered by Rob Lee, coloured by Tom Smith. Only one cover. Can you believe the days when there were only one cover on a brand new comic? Amazing. 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 And card, right. And cardstock. So, so high quality. High, yeah. So yeah, it, it has, um, 
a very sort of arty cover of Hal Jordan, The Green Lantern, and Supergirl, Kara, sort of back-to-back, floating in the air, surrounded by... What would you call this? It's all sort of um, high-tech pizzazzery. I'm going to use the word pizzazzery, even though it's not a word. Yeah, it definitely looks like intergalactic Vegas. There's coins, there's cards, there's glitz and glamour and fireworks, and there's like sort of like a Blade Runner-esque type uh, landscape, I might say. Yeah, there's, there's floating cameras, I would say. They're, they're meant to, well, there's balls in the air. There's a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. But I think they're cameras. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool because if you take a look, you'll see, like, there's a screen that has Adam Strange, and there's a screen that has Lobo, and there's a screen that has Batman. And so I think Perez is having a little fun kind of, like, cluing us in as to who future guest stars might be. Teasing, teasing, yeah. And this yes. story, I mean, if you haven't read this, it's set squarely in the DC Universe of the, of the day. Um, it's only ever been reprinted twice, and I know of. It was in the, the Brave and the Bold, the Lords of Luck hardcover, which was the first six issues. And it was also in the trade paperback, which was also the first six issues. So, um, And Perez was on for the first 12. And that's kind of one big epic story, isn't it? Yeah, and and brilliant. Wade knows his DC universe and is like looking in all of the odd corners. And of course, Perez draws the, the corners of the universe very well. So he brings in just about everybody. It's really a great story. Yeah. So what is the story about, Ange? You want to right. fill us in? Yeah. So here's my synopsis, which might be a little bit lengthy, but doesn't matter. Last issue, Batman and Green Lantern were tracking down two alien criminals on Earth. One of those absconded with the Book of Destiny, a book with all of history, past, present, and future written down in its pages, and he fled into space. Green Lantern, determined to get the book back, is joined by Supergirl on the hunt. The young, eager, and rather smitten Supergirl chats up Hal as they head to Ventura, the casino planet. After all, if you had a book with all of history written in it and you're a criminal, the easiest place to make a quick buck is a casino. I mean, it worked for Biff in Back to the Future 2. <laughs> On that world, Supergirl learns that the place has tight rules and a strong police presence to stop all types of time travelers and precogs. But the man with the book is able to use its knowledge to stay one step ahead of the heroes. Hal finally calls Supergirl out flirting calling her way too young, and that unfortunately hurts the feelings of the young heroine, but to compensate and to help lure out the book holder, Kara dons a baby doll-type dress and enters into a combat arena with the fearsome Crag Brothers, huge stony behemoths. When she trashes them, Green Lantern is able to see who bet on her beforehand, a crazy bet, and therefore zeroing onto the crook. Running away from Green Lantern, the holder of the book is then knocked out on a man down on his luck, who then uses a Zeta beam to whisk both him, Hal, and also the book Away to Ron, using its knowledge, hopefully, to help Ron defeat Thanagar. But left on Ventura, Supergirl, who is now recognized as the Kryptonian cousin of Superman, and therefore a cheater in that fight, realizes she is alone and in trouble. Not a bad issue. Lots of stuff happening. Yeah, I, the art is just simply mind, uh, well, eye-boggling, isn't it? It's amazing. Like, uh, Perez just doesn't phone it in. He's like, you know, I'll draw an intergalactic casino with um, all the trimmings, all the bits and pieces, all the snazzy bits. Yes, yes. I mean, incredible detail. Uh, I mean, it's just really, really amazing. And again, you know, you know, you take a look at one of his pages, 12, 14 panels on a page sometimes, and then turn the page, huge splash page, just he's just able to tell a story like like no other person. Yeah, it's just amazing. And 
the story itself, I mean, it does seem to be a little rooted in the DC universe of the day, where um, Kara's, how would you describe her personality and what, what comics were around with Kara when this came out? Yeah, yeah, you know, the one thing that I have to say about Mark Wade is that it's very clear he's a Supergirl fan, and every time they take a weird take on her, he, like, tries to, like, make her better. So, you know, when you think about where Supergirl was, she's probably about a year, maybe a little bit over a year into her uh, return to the DCU and in her solo title, and that is a very problematic take on her jeff Loeb had her like sent to earth to kill baby kal-el uh she's like always like walking around basically like 99 percent naked she's very very angry um it's really a, a not a very good take and then jeff Loeb leaves and joe kelly comes on board and he sort of says jeff Loeb hold my beer and so like right <laughs> about this time right about this time in her own book there's this very strange thing where like she's seeing visions of zor-el who is saying you have to kill Superman just like we killed all of those people who were possessed by Phantom Zone villains back on Krypton. And there's actually an issue where they show her and Zorel like go into her high school and like gun everybody down, like really, really bad stuff. Um, and so Wade, I think, recognizes he can't go completely off book. So she's in the half shirt and the tiny little skirt. Um, and she's certainly flirty in this, but there is, there's a little bit of innocence there. She's like a 17 year old girl who I think is just discovering, you know, you know, girl, you'll be a woman soon, maybe <laughs> like starting to have some feelings, but she's, it, it's not tawdry in any sort of way. It still has that Wade writes her as like, you know, Oh, I'm just very exciting and, and, and bubbly and like, like you're Hal Jordan and you're really hot. And so like, I'll flirt with you because I'm like an exuberant young girl. Uh, so, so I think that he really kind of Wade, that is, tries to like scrape some of the crud off of the character while still keeping a feel that this is actually the same character that's in the DCU. Oh, wow. Because uh, when I read this, I found it quite jarring because I was taking my cue from the last real experience of Supergirl I'm having, which is uh, Wade riding her in... Um, Batman Superman World's Finest or Bizwith as I like to call it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I think it's it's a better job on Supergirl there. She's kind of cool there and she's confident and she would be, you know, if she was teamed up with Hal Jordan she'd be like, "Okay, Boomer, you know, <laughs> I don't think she'd be yeah. into him." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because in, I, I agree with you, by the way, like the, the way Wade writes her in World's Finest is probably the best that I've seen her written in a long, long time. Um, but that's also like I feel DCU adjacent, right? Like the 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 Supergirl that you're reading in, in Batman and Superman World's Finest is not what you read in Tom King's, you know, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, who was you know, depressed and angry and and really traumatized. Like in World's Finest, she's like, I'm smart, I'm cool, like I'm looking down on people who I think deserve to be looked down on. Yeah. And kicks all the ass, right? Like she probably oh, she's yeah. you know decisive and creative and you know does things to save the day at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that first storyline, she probably does more damage than the devil Neza than almost anybody. Like mm. she really kicks the tar out of him. So, so he definitely has a soft spot in his heart. Like he also, by the way, Wade, when, when she was like in the pits in that Joe Kelly run, 
added her to his Legion of Superheroes run, but gave her amnesia so he could, like, write her however he wanted to. And those did feel like very two different characters. Yeah, yeah. So, and Hal Jordan here is, um, this is the height of um, Jeff Johns' Hal Jordan popularity. Is that to be fair? Yeah, I, I think so. It's probably, I don't know when Blackest Night came out. I think this might have been a little bit before, but but this is when Johns was just about to crest, I think. Like, once you get into Sinestro Corps and Blackest Night, it's like supernova. And I think that this is how just starting to rise. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, the same year, but that later in the year that Blackest Night happens. Because I think there was yeah. a, a free comic book day start to it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's funny because I love, you know, in this, in this, she's like really coming on to him. And, and it's just funny to hear him say things like she's 17, she's seven. He just keeps saying, it. you have food in your refrigerator that's older than she is, right? You know? <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I thought was funny. And then finally, like being a stand up guy, he's like, you have to stop flirting with me like this. It, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, which I think hurts her feelings the way I think it would hurt the feelings of a 17 year old. Right. So, yeah. so I, I think uh, it all reads quite well um, other than maybe it's a little icky on Jordan, but not too bad. Yeah. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, business at the end where, well, what do you want to say about the story itself? So, I mean, this guy has this book, he can look at it and see what's about to happen, which is fairly advantageous. I mean, where he goes wrong is he kind of has to go on the move a couple of times and yeah. keeps his eye off the book um, until he resettles and opens the book. And the first thing he sees is he's about to get knocked out and um, he gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even the Book of Destiny, whether you're uh, Secrets of the Haunted House or, or Sandman, even that is well-rooted in, in the DC universe. So people kind of know, like, this is a big deal. There does seem to be one page where he looks at it and the page seems to change. And he's like, how can this book be rewriting itself if it's supposed to be very static and just sort of tell you what history is supposed to be? So I think there's a mystery that is evolving uh, throughout this story. But it, it is funny how he's like, Oh, let me make sure, like, let me make sure that I can escape the cops. I'll open it up. And he sees a picture of himself, you know, blasted. And then, of course, that's, that's what happens. And, and so, and it also, I think, is amusing that the next guy that picks it up just happens to be, like, a rebel on Ron who is on this planet to try to raise funds for the rebel force to fight Anagar, who's like, I'm just going to Zeta beam away and I'm going to use this for that purpose. So, uh, a little bit of serendipity or coincidence, but I mean, it's the DCU. So it's it's the, the brave and the bold. Worst things have happened in the brave and the bold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Given Bob Haney's history, <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. What did you think of the team up? I mean, did they come away of stronger partnership than they started, or? Yeah, yeah, because I think that, you know, uh, Supergirl is at this point sort of learning her place, right? So this, I love, you know, it opens up with her just saying that. You know, Green Lantern first went to Superman to ask Superman, maybe you can join me. And Superman's like, there's too many things on Earth that I have to take care of. I'm not going to go anywhere. And so Supergirl is like, I told him that that's boring. And so I'm joining you instead. So she's eager. She wants to be a hero. She wants to be seen as something legit. And then he kind of, I mean, takes her down a peg when he's like, you have to stop flirting with me like this. Um, you know, nobody is going to look at you as anything other than Superman's cousin unless you take that uniform off and put on something else or like go to the deep, dark corners of the universe, which she then takes as a lesson. Right. She's like, oh, that's not a bad idea. I'm going to enter this combat with my costume off. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking here so that 
it like obviously these two giant like behemoths are going like people are voting on not whether or not opponents will defeat them. People are betting on how long people will survive with them. And so she realizes she'll survive. The guy will bet money on on her and uh, and he'll be able to Green Lantern, that is, will be able to track him down. So I thought that was fun. And of course, Perez dresses her up with like two big ponytails and this little baby doll dress. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think to sort of continue the again, right, knowing where her comic is, there are two or three upshots of, yeah. of her skirt, which which I think like that was the way that her book was ran. So a little icky, but the, the pages of that battle are great because it's very clear she has learned a lesson that she has to like maybe be a little bit more serious about her heroing. She's going to enter this battle knowing that everybody will think she'll lose because these guys like kill everybody that faces them. And because she'll be able to survive the guy who has the book will bet on her to to live and as a result reveal himself. So so she kind of grows up a little bit and sort of realizes she has to take superheroing a little bit more seriously. So I think she actually has a little bit of an arc during this issue. And indeed, throughout the book, like she has one more issue where she's like a true guest star um, with Lobo, where she also kind of has a different sort of relationship with Lobo than she does with Hal. So I think Wade feature very well in throughout the story yeah and the battle itself is uh, very spectacular because the the two guys that she faces are giant and they're you know sort of black and lava-ish looking and inside them is very hot yeah and he has she's like swinging one by a finger and she like gives one a huge uppercut uh so he really does i mean i mean we're waxing george perez's car i don't know if we necessarily <laughs> have to do that but like you know he draws a great battle page he he draws a great Supergirl, so so the whole thing just clicks. Yeah. What a great story, and the fact that it's kind of been forgotten. Like, you know, there was so much focus on JLA Avengers, and this is sitting there, you know, uncollected in a single edition. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, again, who the hell knows where my mind was in 2007. Now, the very name of Mark Wade means I'm going to buy the, the title, because I know they're going to be great. I didn't pick this up when it was on the shelf. I, I found all of these issues in, like, back issue boxes and eventually bought the trade, which means even when it was coming out, I missed it. So I, I wish I could go back to try to see if they promoted it enough, because because I think it kind of just appeared one day and i was like what is this mm. uh, which makes me also wonder if that's another reason why it just wasn't lauded at the time yeah now there, there is an interlude in the middle where we see that batman has rented a plane to get to texas to track down the other guy who ran off at the end of the first issue and the assailant is waiting for him and has a molecular destabilization ray, which um, he tries to shoot Batman with. But uh, he is rescued by the intervention of Jaime Ray's Blue Beetle. So that's coming up in the next issue, that that team up. And I, I love this sort of daisy chain of team ups that uh, evolves through this uh, series that you get, you know, different characters interacting and different branches. And it's kind of like a, a classic JLA adventure where people go off and have a, the, their separate team-ups. But they keep changing who's teaming up from time to time. It's really good. Yeah. And then, of course, it all just comes together. I mean, the finale is spectacular. So, again, I'm waxing Mark Wade's car, right? He knows the DCU very, very well. He knows what works with the DCU. I think that's why the current World's Finest book 
is doing so great, right? He's kind of set it a little bit outside of continuity, so he kind of gets to just play with the most classic versions of these characters and not have anybody say, like, where is that in continuity, right? Yeah. It's, like, just adjacent, right? It's some period in the past. So Dick Grayson is still Robin, but somehow Supergirl looks like she's more like 19 years old, where I think currently she's more like 18 years old. So he's playing a little bit fast, but who cares, right? Uh, I'm just in it for an entertaining story. Well, Batman Superman World's Finest is written aspirationally of this is like the perfect version of these characters that I want to tell stories with, and it really works. You don't have to go, well, how does this fit in with uh, the death of the Justice League and the, you know, Dark Crisis and all this sort of stuff that happened around it. Just just ignore all that and tell a really good story, which um, I think we can all appreciate that the older we get. We just want to have some good stories and, like... I'm sure when this comic came out in 2007, the the Brave and the Bold one, it, it kind of went, oh, how does this fit in with things? But you just don't have to think about it when you read it, you know, 16 years later. Yeah, it's clearly inclusive of itself. And so you're not going to get something like, oh, I had to pull you away from fighting atrocities, right? You're not going to hear any <laughs> of that sort of stuff, right? It, it just is, a, this is an adventure that happens. And you know, I know that you and Mike talked about Doom Patrol in that Batman Superman World's Finest. But again, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, this was like classic Doom Patrol. Just perfect. Like, just so sweet that yeah. uh, that you just want to eat it up with a spoon. Mm. And, and so I think he brings that same love of these characters to this series. Um, because, again, he brings in all of these people, just like in World's Finest, even though it's a Batman Superman book, every issue has had somebody new to sort of like come in and kind of guest star or cameo and go yeah and i mean particularly organizing this year's um jay or may it was a lot of different draw cards for different podcasts because people were like oh i want that character and i want this character and, and you're the supergirl guy so here you are uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm always happy to represent, uh, especially when it's like most of the time when I talk to people, I'm like, I really didn't like the most recent take on her, right? This yeah. one, I can be like, my gosh, if you're going to try to polish a turd of the 2007 Supergirl book, which was really, again, two issues away from her massacring her own high school, this is fine, right? <laughs> this is a young hero who's learning the ropes, uh, and that's kind of why I like the character. So I think kudos to, to Wade and Perez. Oh, that's great. We'll be further into the month. We'll do another episode about a couple of other issues with Supergirl. So uh, we can look forward to that. Yes. And when we get to that, that leans very heavily into what was happening in the book. And so it'll be good for us when we talk about those issues to compare and contrast. Oh, uh, because, yeah, those issues, again, uh, uh, she teams up with Raven, written by Marv Wolfman. Uh, it really is deep into current DC continuity, those two issues. Oh, golly. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read them, but I will have read them by the time we talk about them. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> That's one of the, the bare minimum of podcast prep that I will put in when, when required. <laughs> Yes, I'll fill in the gaps. So um, if you want to listen to the next um, part of Jail May, look for the Bat Pod talking about part, episode, well, issue three. Let's use issues for comics and episodes of podcasts. I don't know what episode they're up to. They've probably done <laughs> 50 billion or something. I don't know. I believe if you look for Jail May, the hashtag on whatever social media exists right now, you'll probably get some hint as to where to go to find what. So yeah, that's... 
that's the direction I'm giving you. So uh, thanks, Ange. Thank you for this. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk Supergirl with you. A bit unusual for you, but, you know, uh, this is what I required <laughs> of you on this occasion. Again, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, inviting me, uh, making me revisit this story because it's been a long time since I revisited it, and to finally talk about this issue, which I haven't done before. So uh, I feel I owe you one. No, oh, you, you don't owe me anything, mate. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> you're doing a service to the comic community with your you know, relentless blogging about Supergirl and you are very, very consistent and high quality in what you write and uh, I really appreciate it. Well, I can't thank you enough and uh, and thanks for continuing to talk about Doom Patrol, uh, uh, a property that I love and have always loved and so always good to hear more uh, you guys talking about them uh, on your own shows. Oh, well, well, we like each other very much. That's what I'm hearing here. <laughs> Mutual admiration. Mutual admiration. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, make sure you follow along with Jay or May wherever it takes you. You could, you know, shake it up and listen to them out of order, whatever suits you. I don't, I don't mind. But, um, yeah, um, we will be back with another issue, uh, two issues of Brave and the Bold to discuss further in the month of May. Uh, look for that, or in the future if you listen to it way after the fact. I don't know. Anyway, but do what you got to do, everyone. And take care. <laughs>